Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. In the spiritual life, I am very often tempted to think that God can only speak to me when the circumstance and the settings of life are rather peaceful and tranquil. And I suppose that's why I myself and many of the Lord's people that I've met over the many decades, we love retreats. We love to steal away get to a mountaintop or let's say a river and a creek and a lakeside and we love these serene places of solitude and we light a candle perhaps or we we sit on a rocking chair next to a fire pit and we read and we listen to music we play our guitars and somehow in all of it the food and the environment and the people god touches us And I've had many encounters with God in serene settings like that. Beautiful, controlled environments. But there was a man in the Bible who had an encounter with God that had nothing to do with serenity. There was nothing beautiful about it. In fact, his life and the entirety of the narrative of his story is one of perpetual chaos. In the book of Job, we read of a whirlwind, but... In all actuality, it's more like a tornado, or even worse, a hurricane, if you will. It is gale force winds at its strongest. And as you'll see in this message, God spoke to the man Job out of that whirlwind. That is, out of chaos, out of destruction, out of mayhem, out of an uncontrolled environment where nothing is clean, nothing is organized, nothing is controlled. You and I both have lived long enough now to know that life is not squeaky clean and not everything is predictably controlled. There is chaos in life. There are difficulties in life. There are surprises in life. There are tornadoes in life. Here in North America, every year, This uh, continent is just bombarded with tornadoes and hurricanes that just decimate the, the structures, not to mention the lives of countless of people on an annual basis. The book of Job speaks of God coming out of this whirlwind, out of this absolute chaos and touching a man. And I want to just impress you with this message that It is a wonderful thing, and we praise the Lord when He speaks to us when life is beautiful. And I hope you have many, many, many encounters with God in rest and in sleep and with food and with friends and with fellowship. But I also want to say to you, you can encounter God, for God wants to encounter you also in the difficulties of life, so that It's not only on the mountaintops that we experience God, but also in the valley. 
that the table of the Lord is not prepared only in the heights, but also in the depths and in the low valley floors of our lives. Beloved, wherever you are between valley and mountaintop, between failure and victory, between control and chaos, the God that I serve, our Father, in the Lord Jesus Christ and by His life-giving Spirit, He wants to speak to you out of the hurricanes of life. Will you open up your heart? Will you open up in gentleness, tenderness, and in meekness your being for the speaking of God through the storms of life? In chapter 1, a storm comes into this man's life. And I want you to notice this. It says, and behold, in chapter 1, verse 19, it says, Behold, a great wind came across the wilderness, and that wind struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead. And I alone, this servant, have escaped to tell you. What did Satan initiate in this man's life? What was the, the cause, the catalyst that, that set the whole narrative uh, in play? It, it was a storm. Here it is, a wind came and struck and destroyed and it fell and people are dying. And this was all Satan's handiwork. The Father sovereignly allowed that enemy, that adversary, to have access to Job. And that enemy created some kind of a wind, if you will, and in that wind uh, sought to steal, kill, and destroy. So focus this with me. A great wind. Incidentally, that word wind is the Hebrew word ruach. But here in context, it's not the the wind of the Holy Spirit. It's the wind, the Ruach of destruction. As you can clearly see what's going on here. But I want you to notice now in chapter 38, and hopefully you have this in your Bible. I want you to see this. Circle what I'm about to say so that it pops off the page for you. So here's the enemy. Disaster, wind, storm, destruction. You might suppose that God is going to speak to Job in tranquility. God's going to remove the man and put him in a nice location by Lake Martin, cook a nice meal for him, play some soft music, light a little candle. And in that peaceful, quiet, tranquil environment, God's going to say, Job, let me explain a few things to you. But you'll notice... God does not set the stage quiet, set the stage peacefully. God actually causes a hurricane. And from a hurricane, a storm way greater than this one, God will speak to him. Look at chapter 38 and verse 1. It says that the Lord answered Job. So here's the answer. God shows up on the scene and God's going to encounter this man. And notice, God speaks to him 
out of the what? The whirlwind. That whirlwind is, is, is a storm. We may say in our culture, a tornado of sorts. The actual word is, is kind of a hurricane type of a storm. No, God is not speaking in stillness here like He does to some other folk like Elijah maybe. Here, God speaks to him from a storm. Notice, God speaks to him out of the storm. Out of the hurricane. What I want you to notice here this morning is you can have an encounter with God at a place like Legacy that's quiet. He makes my soul to, to lie down in, 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 at Lake Martin. Green pastures, beautiful candles, beautiful music. The stage is just so serene. Does God encounter us in those circumstances, that environment? Absolutely. But what I want you to notice in Job's narrative is that he encounters God in a hurricane, in chaos, in distress, in the anxiety, in the overwhelmedness of life. There was his breakthrough. That lets me know that wherever you live in the city, and whatever hell on earth you're experiencing, and whatever storm has beset your life, and will yet beset your life, God can encounter you out of that storm. Look at chapter 40. Look at chapter 40. Come with me to verse 6. Here it says it again. Chapter 40, verse 6, And the Lord answers Job. You might think God's going to sit down with him and just let him sit on God's lap and it's, it's a quiet, beautiful, peaceful scene. God does not answer this man in this particular way. He says, no, God answered Job out of that whirlwind, out of that tornado, out of that hurricane. Here's the bottom line. God can actually be encountered in the midst of the whirlwinds of life. I marvel often when people call me and come and see me and say, you know what, Francois, the tire just hit the fan in my life. I need some help. God has left me. Satan is, is pounding me to a pulp. And, 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 and I need to make some sense out of this. And sitting on this side of the counseling chair, I'm just like, yay, God. Thank you, God. God created a storm, and God is encountering this man in the storm, but he is not discerning of the voice of God. He's rather looking at the storm and remembering previous storms, if you will, and he fails to hear the voice of God in this particular storm. So many of us miss encounters with God because we escape the storm and we run to a quiet place, maybe a tranquil place. And there is a place and there is a time, like in Elijah's narrative, where God met with him in a quiet, peaceful environment. But some of us, God is allowing your boss to be an ornery person. He's allowing your professor to be a, a thorn in the flesh to you. God's allowing a little bit of difficulty to, 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 to create a storm in your life so that God can encounter you there. And when you every single time rebuke Satan. Now listen, there is a time when the storm is of Satan. And you say, get behind me, devil. 
But you better be very careful because there's also sometimes a storm that's of God. And if you rebuke the devil at that time, you miss out on an encounter with God. That's why it's so important that we don't just have one recipe for everything in life. If you notice in the Bible, God works with all the men and women in the Bible so unique so that each one inclines his ear and say, Oh God, today, in this situation, what do you want to say? How do you want to go about this? You can't just live off of yesterday's breakthrough or yesterday's power or yesterday's method. If you uh, remember Moses, at one time God spoke to him and said, Strike the rock. Today you need to smite that rock and water's going to come from that rock. So Moses hit the rock and water comes out. A couple of years later, God said to him, speak to the rock and water's going to come out. Of course, Moses gets angry and he hits the rock twice. Moses is just going on yesterday's recipe. Yesterday's uh, formula, if you will. It is so important that in all of the storms of life, you're very discerning. Which one to rebuke, which one to resist, and which one to just say, oh God, speak on. Can you all follow what I'm saying? You're going to need to not only have the voice of the Spirit within you, but you're going to have to need to have around you the counsel of wise people that say, okay, this storm, um, this is of the devil. Here we resist, we, we stand, here we fight. And often, as I do counseling sessions, as I do life and ministry with people, the storms is not the devil. Occasionally, the devil is in there. But most of the storms is just God causing a whirlwind in this man or this woman's life so that they can meet God there in a very, very unique way. And so they come and they complain. and Oh, um, I have a situation at the moment where the brother is very down on his luck. Oh, God is against me and the devil is pounding me. And I'm like, work on Jesus. Because I see what he can't see. He just sees the storm as steal, kill and destroy. But sitting on this side, I'm like, oh, wow. God is setting this man up for such breakthrough, such growth, such sanctification. The fire that is burning in this man's life. It's not comfortable, it's not desirable, but this refiner's fire is actually working gold in this man. Oh God, even increase the fire. And people often look at me strange when I pray for them and just say, more Lord. And what I mean is more whirlwind, Lord. More, let's let's up this from an F3 to an F4 to an F5. Destroy this man's flesh. Go ahead, God, burn him. By then I've lost my audience. What Job needed was to see God in the midst of that whirlwind. No doubt the storm that was satanic destroyed and hurt. No doubt. But what Job needed to see is that God is also the one with the last say of the storms of life. And if you know the back end of the story, as you will find out this morning... God restored sevenfold everything that the storms of life uh, destroyed in this man. So God wanted to show Job, I am there with you. And in that chaos, I can actually work sevenfold. 
What Job needed was not full understanding, full explanation. You'll notice God never explained to him that he had a counsel with the devil and unleashed hell in this man's life. It was a mystery for Job. Job never learned what happened in that dimension. And I submit to you, you and I will never know all that happens in that dimension. We just experience the storms of life. But somehow in it all, God did not want to explain to the man too much. God just wanted to show up in that storm, like Jesus in that boat of the disciples when all hell is broken loose around them and the storms is about to threaten and kill them. Jesus is right there asleep in the storm. What Job needed was to see God. What this man needed was not an explanation of the chaos. He just needed to see God. And when he saw God, he was settled. And sometimes you and I just want to run from the storms and we want to artificially create a peaceful environment because this is God, the storm is not. Beloved, what you need is neither a storm nor stillness. Your greatest need is just God. You can have God in the boat and you can have God out there on the pastures. But life is neither a full-time pasture nor a full-time boat ride. What we need is what Job needed. We just need to see God. And it will quiet down and settle our inner man, unlike anything else. I've watched so many people who have luxury. You guys may have cars. You have beautiful homes. You even have lake homes. Yet you are depressed out of your brains. Why? You are so down and despite Why? Because God is not necessarily in the houses and the land and the, the Disney world Christian circles. Some of you go to the greatest churches and you're still not revived. You go to the greatest camps and you're still not revived. Why? It's not the environment of peace or the environment of a storm that counts. What counts, come on, is that we see God. What you need is not poverty or riches or comfort or discomfort. This whole thing where we say all of y'all got to go to Africa so you can experience revival, that's not true. What you need is just God. Whether you're in Africa or America, whether you are wealthy or poor, the answer is God. Chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and he said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted or restrained or derailed. Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Job is beginning to realize all my interrogation of God, all my need for answers, all my opinions. It just, it, it means nothing in the end of the day. I did all that without understanding. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear now and I will speak. I will ask of you and you shall inform me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear. 
I've heard the rumors that God is this way or God is that way. But now my eyes has actually seen God. And he saw God in the whirlwind. He says, I've seen God. I've seen God. Therefore, in light of God, seeing this magnificent, wonderful person, when I look now at myself, all that's left is to despise, my Bible says, abhor myself. And God, I repent. I repent. And dust and in ashes. The great breakthrough in Job's life, if you read very carefully, was not a meticulous explanation. It was just an encounter with God, and it was enough. And he's like, oh God, I'm so sorry that I questioned you, interrogated you, put you in a corner, forced your hand. I'm so sorry that I cross-examined you, that I was skeptical about you, that I might have believed lies about you. Oh God, now that I've seen you, I am sorry. I love how he doesn't blame his friends. He, they, them. It's like, oh God, because I see you. I see the dirt in me. Oh God, have mercy on me. This is an encounter that we need. And beloved, in the case of Job, this encounter of repentance came in the midst of the hustle and bustle of life. As I say in Greek, when the tire hits the fan. That's a Greek idiom. And the tire will hit the fan. And it has hit the fan. And I've had it in my life. No doubt you've had it in your life. Let me ask you this. Regardless of whether the tire splattered tire pieces all over the place, did you see God? Are you touched? Are you contrite and broken because of that tire that hits the fan? Or is it that the tire hits the fan and it gives you ammunition for judgment? It gives you ammunition for condemning others. It gives you ammunition for blaming. When all the while God is wanting to just get to your heart so that you repent and you say, God, I'm sorry. We see here in the Job narrative really two things. Number one, the, the God of lies, which we know is Hasatan, which means adversary. He ruins. He's out to seek, to, to, to kill, and, and, and to, to steal, kill, and destroy. And we know that the story of, of Job is really the God of life that restores. In uh, the New Testament, we have two uh, pictures, uh, respectively, here of, of uh, Satan and of God. You may know this verse very well in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, how it speaks of the devil. It says, in the case of the unbelievers, those who reject God, those who stay hardened against God, the God of this world has blinded their minds so that they are kept from seeing the gospel and the glory of God. That's exactly what happened in the book of Job. It's as though Satan himself did not want Job to see the glory of God, which is the very thing that happened at the conclusion of this narrative. He saw God. He saw the glory of God. And he was a changed man. In the storms of life, there is a war 
on you seeing God. No wonder we shake a fist at God. No wonder we throw stones. No wonder we blame. And we don't see that in the storm there can actually be glory. What's going on? The God of this world is blinding me. Putting blinders, literally a blindfold on me so I don't see God in the storm. That's why I get angry. I blame. I get offended. Lest I see. On the other hand, the God of life restores. Satan is out to ruin, to blind, so that instead of just saying, Oh God, here I am, we would rather say, God, why didn't you? But the God of life is all about restoration. The God of life is all about finding you in that storm and, and stripping your eyes from blinders so that you can see God in that difficulty. And He wants to just show you His glory. God doesn't always want to explain everything to you. He just wants to run into you and fuse His heart into you. And there is no more beautiful description in the New Testament of the life-giving God, the life-giving Messiah, and the life-giving Spirit, then uh, Isaiah 61, that has been rewritten in Luke chapter 4. And here it is. This is Jesus, the God of life, the God who wants to be in the, the muck and mire of my life to restore. Notice what He said. This is what He's after. Instead of stealing, killing, and destroying... He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed by the devil, and to announce, to proclaim, the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. Let me cut to the chase. In every storm of life, there is a Christ that wants to bring sight, that wants to bring liberty, that wants to bring freedom, that wants to bring power, that wants to bring transformation. God is a life-giving God. So even if storms come in that storm, just like the book of Job, He wants to transform. He wants to lift up. He wants to heal. This is just what God does. But you and I often, we see the storm as God is out to get me. God is out to hurt me. no. The God of this world, no doubt, wants to use that storm to steal, kill, and destroy. But the God of life can use that very storm to set you free. You've got to learn to discern the Spirit of God versus the Spirit of this world, the Spirit of Satan, the Spirit of this age. Can you follow with me? God can touch us through storms. But what hinders us from being touched by God? What hinders us? What hindered Job for some, oh, 36 chapters? God did not show up. What, what hindered him and his pals from encountering God? What hinders me from encountering God? and being touched by God, and being transformed actually by God. Beloved, what hinders us from actually being free, 
actually seeing, actually becoming whole. (sighs) To answer that, I want you to come to the book of Revelation, chapter 3, at the end of your Bible. What hinders me from actually having this encounter in the storm? Actually hearing God in the storm? Actually seeing God in the storm? What hinders me? I want to suggest for you something from Revelation chapter 3. And this is the area, like Job, that we need to check in repentance and say, Oh God, if I've had this attitude before you, this disposition before you, Oh God, I repent in dust and ashes. What hinders us from actually encountering God? A myriad of things. Sin, uh, being deaf, hard heart. There's, there's so many things. But I want to give you a concrete example from one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And this is the church of Laodicea. Laodicea. I want you to come with me to uh, verse 14. And to the messenger of the church in Laodicea, write these things. These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness. This is the description of Jesus. And notice Jesus is the Amen. By the way, every time you say Amen, you actually say the name of Christ. This is His name. He is the period behind the work of God. Notice He's also faithful. And He is true. He's the beginning of the creation of God. So who are these Laodiceans? Well, before we read any further, I need to break this word down for you just a minute. And then when we read the context, maybe you may see something that you've never seen In Revelation 3. What is this church, this city called Laodicea? Actually, it's Laodicea in Greek. We say Laodicea in our English language. It's a compounded word from two words. The one is Laos, and it just means uh, people. And uh, the other one is Daiki. That's where we say uh, uh, Laodicea. But daiki is to judge, uh, it's to, to uh, rule, to pass a verdict, to um, give an opinion. And this is actually what this community represents. It's the people of strong judgment, the people who rule, the people who conquer, that give a verdict. The people that have an opinion. And by the way, this is the book of Job. The book of Job is a storm that blows into this man's life. There's a catastrophe. And for most of the the narrative of Job, they are trying to to judge what happened. They're trying to, to create a ruling. 
as to what happened here in this pitiful man's life. They're trying to come up with some kind of a, a judgment, a verdict. Job, you sinned. Job, God is mad at you. Job, God is teaching you a lesson. And if you read actually the, the narrative of Job, everybody that comes on the scene gives their opinion. It's genuinely a book of the opinion of what is good versus evil. And here in the book of Revelation, Jesus speaks to an opinionated people. This is a church community that cannot stomach the Amen of God. They would rather, um, as people, make up their own judgment, their own opinion of a situation. And here's the bottom line. When you and I do not hear the voice of God in the whirlwind, your opinion is going to interpret what's going on. And quite often, even as wise as some of you are, your opinion is going to miss the mark. And you're going to misjudge and misrule and pass a wrong verdict onto what, is God is doing, what God is doing in this situation. Can you follow with me? Now, let's go back to chapter 3 in the book of Revelation. This is the opinion of self Ruling judgment, these people. Look at verse 15. The Lord says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. Oh, I wish that you were either cold or hot. What I want you to see here is that the opinion of people is unstable. It shifts from being uh, cold to hot to lukewarm, to hot to cold. And this is what happens in the book of Job. Every time a counselor comes on the scene, there's a different opinion. And it's unstable. It fluctuates. And if you read the book of Job, you will look at Eliphaz and you'll say, Wow, his argument, this is it. Then you'll read the, the, the uh, uh, Elihu's argument. Uh, um, argument and you're like wow this is it and you'll see you shift opinion constantly it's unstable only Christ is the amen, amen. and in every storm of life people are going to have different opinions the hurricane was by God the hurricane was by Satan the hurricane was by climate change you're a fool if you give too much weight to all the many interpretations welcome to the book of Job it's going to run circles around you somehow you and I need to get out of this instability and just say, okay, God, there is a storm. I'm not sure how it got here, but God, what can you do in the storm for me? How do you want me to be a part of the storm, to, 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 to help in the storm? Instead of understanding where the storm comes from, let's rather just say, oh, God, what is your voice towards me in the storm? God can speak. Job and his friends wanted to understand the origin of the storm. And as a result, their opinions are all over the place. Look here. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you would stick to one thing, but now you're all over the place. Verse 16. Because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am wealthy. See, this is their opinion. This is their judgment of themselves. We are wealthy. 
We have become rich. We do not need anything. Look at verse 17. And yet you do not know that you are actually wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Notice that phrase. You do not know that you're actually but naked. That is, you are undiscerning. When people give just their opinion of the storm and you just give opinion of the storm, you are going to be unstable, you're going to be undiscerning. And that's why I started off this message by saying there are many storms in life. Incline your ear carefully to discern which one has the voice of God in it. Instead of just rebuking everyone across the, the board, discern carefully. Know which one is of God. And you know that from the Word, you know that from the Spirit, and you know that from wise counsel. But here, they're undiscerning. We don't even know that we're naked. We don't know that we are poor and impoverished and blind. And this was me with my father. I did not know that I'm angry. I'm a typical Christian boy. You deny all that. I mean, I'm not a murderer. Or am I? Can anger in my heart actually be murder begun? Apparently so. But the Laodiceans have their own judgment, their own verdict, their own opinion. And so they never have this encounter with God. And as long as I just rebuke the devil, rebuke the devil, and just have my own opinion, but don't softly, gently say, Oh God, what are you saying? Y'all, I may miss it. Keep reading. Verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by the fire. Notice that. How is gold purified? By fire. So that you may be rich and have white garments so that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness may not be manifested. And buy from me eye salve to anoint your eyes so that you can see. So in this city of Laodicea, where they have their own opinion, we do it this way. It's as though God was on the outside of that city, that Christian community. And so they think they see, they are rich, they are clothed, they understand and the Lord says, no, come buy from me. Actually, have an encounter with me and let me give you real wealth, real gold, real clothing, real eye salve to see. All this is prophetic of things we can talk about at another time. But look at verse 19. As many as I love, I reprove and I discipline them. So therefore... Be zealous and repent. Kind of like Job. Have an encounter with God and let it bring repentance of your own opinion. And you'll often see that not only are our opinions unstable, it's all over the place. Our opinions are undiscerning of the work of God in that moment. But also our opinions are undeterred in the sense that I'm going to keep going this way. And the Lord says, no, repent. Repent. Now I want you to come to verse 20. 
Look at verse 20 in your Bible. And by the way, he's talking to a Christian community here. He says in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and I... Where's Jesus? He's on the outside. See, as long as you and I, like the book of Job, live in our own opinion, and we, we script life for ourselves, as we said this morning, then in that opinion and in that self-ruling judgment, God stands on the outside. And He wants to come in. Notice, He says, If anyone hears my voice and opens up the door, how do you open up the door? Through repentance. He says, I will come in to him, dine with him, and he will dine with me. Beloved, there's one word that describes that. I want to have an encounter with you. Job, I don't want to explain everything to you so meticulously. I just want to show up and walk into your life in that storm and touch you. I want to come in. And he who overcomes, to him I will give to sit with me on my throne as also I overcame and sat on the throne with my Father. We can overcome in the storms of life. If you discern the Lord very carefully, and you incline to the Lord very carefully, and open tenderly to the Lord very carefully, the refiner's fire can actually cause you to be an overcomer. And now in that storm, you've gained authority. You're an overcomer. You can rule and reign, and you can tell other people, hey, the storms of life... It, you can rule and reign over it. You can actually overcome. So now you have something to say. Why? Because you're with the Lord on the throne. You've weathered the storm. You've come out of the storm. You've seen God. Your life is touched. You're a different person. Amen? Amen. What I learned here is a few things. Number one, repent of self-righteousness, Job. Repent of self-righteousness. Self-opinion, self-judgment. This is the way. This is what I'm doing. Just allow God to be the amen in that storm. And watch out for self-rightness. Number two, as you are in the storms of life, and it's blowing all over the place, um, ask the Lord to remind you of previous miracles in your life. Um, no doubt God has shown up in your life. No doubt He's answered. No doubt He's, he's touched you uh, brought a, a breakthrough in some way, remember those. Because when the storms of life blow, um, it's, it's, it's good to, to say, wow, I weathered that. God brought me breakthrough there with the Red Sea. I can trust Him for water, for bread here in the desert. Remember previous miracles. Um, this is something we do at Legacy. As you're in the storms of life, I want to tell you, relearn the basics of God. Because often in the storms of life, uh, we reinterpret God and often we miss God with our own opinion. Oh, He must be mad. He must be evil. He's changed His mind. Maybe I'm not chosen. Maybe I'm not predestined. God's teaching me a lesson. And often we misinterpret God. It happens so often. That's why we get offended with God. I would say to all of you, when the whirlwinds of life hit, go back to the basics of who God is. And I tell you, don't consult the opinion of man or culture as to who God is. Just go back to the basics. God is life. God is eternal. God is spirit. 
God is sovereign, as we might say. God is wise. And just go read the Psalms again and just see how the psalmist describes God in the most basic terms. Get back to the basics. And it's one of the things we enjoy at Legacy. Students come here and they've forgotten the basics of God. And we take it upon ourselves to just revisit the ABCs of who God is. It'll keep you in the storms of life. Repent of self-righteousness like Job. Remember your previous miracles. Uh, relearn the basics of God. And then when we're in the storms of life, as we're wrapping this up, refocus your real need in that storm. Let me tell you, your real need is to have an encounter with God. Not to get even with your father. Your real need is not more money, more houses, more land. Your real need is not to get rid of someone, to, to have an addition of someone. Beloved, our real, real need before God is to just see Him. To actually have an encounter with the living God.